My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. But it's an empty road. I feel so alone. I forgot what I'm fighting for. When the weight of the world keeps you up at night. When you're running with no end in sight. Lot you and. Patriots. And today is Thursday, January 4th in the year 2023. A lot to reflect on right now in the first of the year. We've only been four days in. And this letter that was put out there on the 1st of January has stirred up a lot of things. And it's amazing what 231 signatures have done to shake up an institution that is rooted in trillions of dollars of pilfered wealth, unbelievable levels of technology to suppress people, control people. But 231 Signatures has managed to take an institution and get it to go into full panic mode as they deploy Cyber Command and NSA and 
variety of other as- assets in the intelligence community to try to suppress a simple letter that all it's asking for is a peaceful and just and justice driven for foundation to hold these people accountable for crimes against humanity. And so what that really should tell you is that the magnitude in which we walk right now and what we speak is that they are, is we are walking in a world that truly is so corrupt and that they are so guilty of what they have done that the crimes that we know of and that we're calling out are dwarf the actual crimes that they have done. And I need you to really let that settle in. Because at this moment in time, we are dealing with a magnitude of criminality that I think most people would probably end up in a psychiatric ward after they discover how bad this really is. So the fact that they are reacting to such a degree that they are, meaning those in the Department of Defense, rallying the wagons and trying to get people around to prevent them from reading a simple letter, and it's a one-page letter, by the way, if you haven't seen it. And I really encourage you to go over and signing the online version, online petition. And that's you'll find that at militaryaccountability.com. And if you're interested in what the letter is, you can go back to this week's shows. I read it on January 2nd morning show. And we've had it, we've covered it now each day. It's important to realize how deep their crimes are. That's that's the real reflection here. We're going to get into that in a little bit. You know, one thing we have to be aware of is this year is a presidential election year, obviously in November. And one thing we can absolutely count on is that 24-7, there is going to be turmoil. It is not going to stop. This is how they're going to try to get people divided more and to continue to their, their process of the criminal control of the nation. At the core of that is going to be the constant threat towards the dollar and your retirement savings. That's the idea. The fear of not having a future is what gets to people, even though their future is based in God. Unfortunately, people have become rooted in the futures divined by the, the wealth that we accumulate in our 401ks and IRAs. That said, we still need to protect it. And the way to protect it is to protect it in what is truly a godly way. Get your money out of this fiat nonsense. You need to get hold of the, the folks at Birch Gold. And Birch Gold, they will help you diversify with gold and to help get your portfolio stronger and enduring and something that is truly based on something tangible and in precious metals. So you can you call them. They will help you set up a tax-sheltered IRA, and that's one of their specialties. And you can do that by texting BARDS at 989898. The, the, the word BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. And Birch Gold Group will send you a free info, info kit on gold. And then what they'll do is they'll help you convert. If you have an existing IRA or 401k, they'll help you convert that and no extra charge to you. So to go ahead and text that, get that information, get smart, read about it, and give them a call. They're there to help. That's an important part. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, thousands of People, many are Bards, Bards Nation folks. They're, they're, you can trust them. So again, text Bards, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That'll give you your free info kit. And then from there, you can start securing whatever you need to do to secure your savings. It's important. And it is important right now and, and um, in this critical time. 
again, so we are in a pretty crazy time. I want to read you something here. It's pretty interesting. This is um, Nick Rowe. And uh, this is, comes from a Vietnam-era operator. And I just want you to hear what he has to say. The enemy will never realize how much I thank them for taking everything material away from me and reducing me to the point where I didn't have anything but faith in God. I had a chance to look at myself and realize that you can do things you never realized were possible. Nick Rowe. Powerful statement. We are in the middle of a war. Whether you wanted to be in one or not, we're in the middle of a war. And that's the reality where we live right now. We are in a place where everybody now is going to suffer through the consequences of what war feels like in one capacity or another. This particular war has no limit. This particular war, meaning it has no uniforms. This is part of fifth generation warfare. And it, if you read the, the biblical text, we start to realize that really this is more of a biblical war than any other war has been. And it's the true war of the enemies of, of God coming at his children in the various forms that they do. Those enemies don't take a form that you would normally think about. If you consider the Pharisees, it's not like they went out there and put a big banner on themselves and said, I'm a Pharisee, I'm against you. But you knew who they were, but they were in the influences of power. It's so important to appreciate because this is, we're fighting a war of a spiritual plane. And because we have lost a lot of our ability to see across that veil and understand truly what we're looking at, we see somebody and assume that they're, they're in one thing or another, not realizing the, the demonic and the spiritual impacts of this war of how it's being waged and fought using the flesh. And it's important to get this because this is where we get into the core of deliverance and we get into the true sense of spiritual warfare. We are not going to win this war unless we stay focused in our assault with prayer. And I'm not saying that you're not, but I am saying that this is the critical component to never underestimate or undervalue what you bring to this fight. Every one of us has a critical component right now in prayer and waging war against principalities, waging war in your prayer against these things, praying against the sort of corruption and evil. And the more that we do that, the stronger we become as a people. Now this letter, it started out with a few, that was signed was 231 signatories. And since then it has motivated over 10,000 people to pledge support for the declaration of military accountability, and that's on the online piece. That number right now, I'd say over 10,000, that number right now is at 11,046. I want to see that number at more like you know 100,000 to a million, and it's getting there, but we're only in day two. But nonetheless, um, I want you to listen to Brad Miller here as he talks about this. What do you have to say about the condition of the leadership in the military right now? I think their conduct has been criminal. And I think that that is exactly why we said that in that document. Now, the, the voice of that document is meant to reflect the, the Declaration of Independence. And uh -huh. so that comparison, even if people felt like it kind of started to read like that or sound like that before you even got to the paragraph that mentioned it, there's a reason for that. It is historically grounded. 
Um, yet we don't want to take that comparison too far. That's why we make explicitly clear in the document, we're not seeking separation. And we're clearly not trying to advocate for violence. But when we say that the leaders of the Department of Defense have acted in a criminal manner, we 100% mean it. So if that language sounds harsh, let me tell you something that is much harsher. When you use the military as a weapon against its own service members and you weaponize their patriotism and their loyalty to the country against them to push harmful, unapproved drugs into their body without even so much as giving them informed consent or depriving depriving them of their constitutionally protected religious rights, that's far more harsh than some words that we put on a uh, on a document. But we mean it. We mean every word. Every word in that document was meticulously and um, I would say it was a it was a calculated and a chosen word to make sure that we clearly communicated what we meant in that document because we did not want people to misconstrue what we mean. Now, we've already had some trolls and some people with some, you know, middle school level civics analysis that have tried to, you know, take this and spin this into something that it's not. But we were very clear in what we wrote in that document. I'm a pretty jovial, lighthearted guy most of the time, but there comes a time for serious men to get very serious about serious things. And so we're just not going to sit on the couch. We're not going to sit on the couch and watch our country be destroyed because we know that to destroy the country, you have to destroy the military. And we're just not going to let that happen. That's a critical thing right there. And he said it the last. Super important to appreciate. You cannot destroy the nation unless you can destroy the military. And the steppings of destroying the military began under Obama when they started to clear out generals that were patriotic. And they started to put in these generals that were supportive of the globalism. I think the question everyone needs to ask is, what type of person is a general that would actually go through the process of going through rank with the intention of getting to a higher rank, of being able to betray a nation? And if you can follow that through and tell me that at the end that they are, that they're within the, within the law, that within the law, knowing that they, they knowing very well that they are conducting treason. If you arrive at a point and say, we need to forgive and forget, you're not part of my team. I'm just going to say it right now. I get forgiveness of the heart, which means I'm not going to carry the burdens of anger. I'm not going to carry the burdens of hate towards these people. It's going to be a righteousness, and I will forgive them in the sense of the actions they have done, but forgiveness never, ever advocates giving away accountability. The part that gets to me most is these people that have been involved in this criminality and and why this becomes such a critical moment of looking at the military and the Department of Defense, because it's the Department of Defense through its agencies, which would include Human and Health Services, Health and Human Services, HHS, which isn't even a defense-related agency until you get into the bowels of it and understand that HHS is essential because it deals with their bioweapons program. But when you deal with the Department of Defense as a center hub, then you're connecting to the 17 intelligence agencies and you're dealing with the military-industrial complex. These are people that have willfully and knowingly been participant in distributing a injection that was experimental, and at the very least, they knew that it wasn't tested and tried, tried appropriately. And it was all profit-driven. But probably more conspiratorial in some people's minds, but definitely in the principle of truth, is that many knew that it was not going to be good on the soldiers. And even worse, then, is to ask yourself, why 
would anybody in any of those leadership ranks ever consider distributing something to soldiers, knowingly distributing something to soldiers that was not functioning properly in the body and was causing constant side effects? That means that your calculus works something like this. There is a measure of loss that we are willing to accept to get to the end point of distributing a shot. Think about it. This is a flu virus. And apparently we're so panicked about a flu virus that you're going to race out an injection. There's not a person in the rank and file that developed this injection that doesn't know some truth about this shot meaning that it didn't work. It wasn't intended to do what they're saying to you. And that's the other part is what are they really hiding? What are they hiding? Why are they so panicked about a letter of accountability when they know very well the criminality is upon them? When we start to look at truths and we have to peel these back, I mean, this is where we look with the eyes of that of, of someone walking in the truth of Christ. We get to the deeper truths. This always reminds me of the parable between Jesus and the accusers and the adulteress. And there we have the, the accusers with stones on their hands, which I always considered this to be one of the most profound warrior moments of Christ. Truly, I mean this. Because I want you to put yourself in that place. That here you have men armed with stones, ready to stone a woman to death. Their mindset is to kill. They have already determined that this woman will suffer a horrible and painful death of stoning. And they will throw these stones at her as they watch this body get bruised and their pieces of her body get broken until finally there's so many stones thrown at her in such venom that they will, and that's what that does is it brings out venom, that they are willing to all participate in a group execution of a person in a slow, painful, and very visually methodical destruction of a body by throwing stones at it. I, that, that visual I don't think we emphasize enough. They are, there's, a, there's a participant, and you can say to yourself any way you want, well, that's justice that needs to happen. That is a process where as you go along and you watch this body being broken with every stone and you know there's going to be screams and you know there's going to be pain and crying and the suffering of an individual before you. What is that? What is that? What, what does that speak to the hearts of the men that were standing there eager to destroy somebody with such venom and pain? Christ saw all of that. He saw all of that. He saw exactly what was coming. And he steps in between them. And it's interesting to me how much emphasis, when you hear people tell the story, I, and I'm just telling you my own experience, I always am puzzled by why people worry so much about what he's writing on the ground. And it's like, okay, I, there's, maybe there's something there, maybe there's not. But their focus goes to him writing on the ground, in the sand. They miss this other visceral part of this execution. This execution is one of, of literally taking a stone. I want you to put yourself there for a minute. I want you to be a stone holder. I want you to put yourself of looking at this woman and saying to yourself, she needs to die. And she needs to die by a stone that I will throw and all these other men will throw. And then we'll pick up another and we'll pick up another. And they will stone her to the point that her body finally is so broken. And this is breaking. I mean, and you know that there's going to be blows to the head. There's going to be blows to the body. There's going to be bruising. There's going to be trauma. There's going to be jaws breaking. There's going to be head trauma. All of these, that's what's going to lead to the injuries. Let's be real. It's graphically disturbing in your mind. It should be. If it's not, then I would say, please pray. Because if this doesn't bother you, then I think we've missed the entire point. This story is one of these very brutal stories 
in in our in scripture that needs to be looked at deeply. And when you see that, and you realize that these men were carrying these stones, and she's the accused, and when Christ then one steps in between them, these men are like venom driven. They're ready to kill her. And he steps in between them. And he speaks to them. And in the process of his words, disarms them because suddenly they have to hold accountable themselves before God, realizing that they were guilty of what they were accusing this woman of. That's what that statement really is. It shows you the perversion that's within these relationships and within men's lives anyway. But they were guilty. And then turns to the woman, right? And everybody is disarmed and now everybody's before the throne holding themselves accountable because ultimately even she is held accountable. Where are your accusers? They are not here, my Lord. Then go and sin no more. It's a profound moment of justice, kingdom way. And she's given an opportunity to do something that we just don't talk enough about. And that's the principle of literally being able to sin no more. What does that look like in our lives? And what that looks like in our lives is deeply walking within the body of Christ with walking in kingdom in such a magnificent way that we are freed of sin. Right now, this letter is a very interesting point to me. And I'm, I'm, I am making intentional biblical references and comparisons to it because this letter has gone out and it has cut into between this discussion. The focal point of this letter is accountability. And we've had an attack made on this nation. And this attack has in included hundreds and in, in certain sense, thousands of people. They've been complicit in designing, organizing, and weaponizing a system to use against the people. These people have gone to a place where they've looked around the field and they've said, we can't force the public to do something, but we can force the military to do something. And they've used their power and authority to force people to take a shot, which many knew, most knew, was not even appropriately approved. And they've done everything they can once it was done to cover up a crime, whether it was DMED data to try to erase the database so you wouldn't see the, the destruction that was happening within this, whether it was course marshalling people that were speaking, speaking out, they were using the entire engine of a legal injustice system to cover a crime. And words now have started to disarm them. As Christ spoke words, they are now, this document comes and speaks the truth. And the truth is that it speaks the truth of what you're accountable for. And so with this, there's a retraction because these aren't people just going away facing God because they think they're above God. This is where the difference is. Those men that had stones in their hand, they saw themselves as still accountable to God. Not the people that are running this nation. Not the people that are in our defense department. Not the people that have been in HHS or the people that were working in the labs in Ukraine or the people that were tied to the labs in, in Wuhan. I mean, let, let's get this picture very clear how, how insidious this is. A concept of an attack like this, of using a flu-type virus as your entry point to create panic and fear, to use that concept, name it whatever it is, 
and then to use the media apparatus to spin the propaganda and the psyop that it was a major pandemic to then deliver the actual bioweapon through an injection and use the in so that the actual bioweapon delivery was not some random virus that was spread into the air. That's where people looked. But the media apparatus in the, in the PSYOP and the spin to get people to be so afraid that they were blinded and then accepted the trust in the institution, the critical part here, that they, their trust in the institution led them to believe that the only way and solution forward in this was to accept and receive an injection of something into their bodies when the entire time that injection was the objective. That's what they needed in people. That's the tool that they needed to get in people for a variety of reasons. One was to depopulate the world. Two was to sterilize a generation so that they had an inability to reproduce. And three, to set up technologies within these bodies that survived that would be the foundation towards building a transhumanist society. Those three things. Never discussed, always hidden. That was your objective. That whole idea other than the transhumanist model, that whole idea was briefed as a threat to the United States or any nation at Fort Detrick in 1999. I need you to understand how deep this is. And then moving forward over the years, these, these various labs and agencies were working on the concepts of this moving of human beings to a transhumanist model, transitioning us to a new state of existence that by the time we arrive at 2012, they have developed the technologies to do so, and they are now accelerating the development of an injection, which they call the mRNA injection, with the sole purpose of being, of being able to override your immune system and my immune system. Because at the key of all of this, if they can control the immune system, they can control the human body. And they want to augment it and they want to control it. It's in the various forms of the things, even it's in the NDAA of what they're trying to do and the objectives of this whole what do you have to say whoops, whole thing. So we are we are in a place right now where we are dealing with such dark truths about this, of the organized and depth of what they wanted to do for human population, because these people along the way all knew in one capacity or another where the end goal this was going to be. Each part of them knew under the potential of these technologies. They bring it all together, and then they launch this attack on the United States, on its people, on its own people, with generals and leaders that are knowingly part of something much darker and deeper. So when you read that letter of 231, and you see the magnitude of response of, and launching a censorship program through proxy, which they've been doing since, since this thing came out, using their various agencies that are using AIs and they're using the idea to scrape, they're trying to come up with narratives that this was somehow a mutiny, which I don't know how you have a mutiny when it's with veterans, we're not even in uniform, primarily. It's, it was a mutiny, it was this, it was that. All of those being controlled, it's all controlled narrative stuff, trying to attack you with a narrative war to convince you that we're the criminals. They're the greatest criminals. And it's words again that disarm them, that expose them. And that's where, again, I say so much pray into that because that's the stronghold we're going after now. And the prayers that now back that are going to take this fight 
And this is where this document, I've said, it doesn't just anchor in the physical. It's an anchoring in the, phys- in the spiritual. This document has to go about in disarming these strongholds and breaking them down. But I think there's probably something even darker that they're trying to keep away from. And it always is the same thing. It comes back to the kids. And the one thing that was being exposed, if you were following some of the Russian news coming out, is they were finding these, these bio labs with children that were being used as ch- test subjects. This is straight up Nazi type stuff. And so I'm guessing that the deeper we go into this, the more disturbing it's going to be. I want to play this piece for you. It's um, about six minutes, and I think it'll give a perspective. And we, this is taking us to Epstein now. But I want you to get this in perspective of kind of some of the darker places they want to do everything they can to keep our eyes away from and why letters like this become so disturbing to them because it begins to unravel the biggest lies because it's all intertwined intertwined at the end of the day. They are trying to corrupt a genetic core, the genome of human beings. And this is literally just like the days of Noah. So take a listen to this. Hey, Republicans that support Israel, important reminder. This guy was an Israeli spy. He worked for Mossad. And if you haven't read Whitney Webb's books detailing this extensively, I'll run through some quick ones. Homegirl Ghislaine has many extensive ties to Israel. Not the least of which being her father, one of the most famous or infamous Mossad agents of all time. Although now he's the second most infamous Mossad agent. Or Epstein's closest business partner, Wexner, deeply tied to Israel and a lot of other really messed up things. Or Ace Greenberg, who first brought Epstein up through Bear Stearns into banking and basically put him on the path he was on. I mean, even Hoffenberg, with whom Jeffrey Epstein was a big part of Tower Financials Corp, if you know any history, he was Jewish as well. And had so much important information in that brain of his that he wound up mysteriously dead with no cause of death when Epstein was awaiting trial. Just one of several mysterious deaths. And it's important to clarify that not all Jewish people are Zionists, not all Jewish people support what Israel is doing. This is not about Jewish people. It's like if the Vatican were to commit a genocide against a neighboring country, and we were to try to look at who was involved in the Vatican's genocide, there would be a lot of Christians in that mix. And it would not be irrelevant to talk about people's Christianity if the Vatican was committing genocide. Unfortunately, a Jewish state is committing a genocide. And so a lot of Jews are involved in that, but not all Jews. And no one should be expressing hatred towards all Jews internationally. That's ridiculous. Full stop. But there's this myth amongst the people that they've somehow gotten away with that we're not allowed to talk about Jeffrey because the billionaires that were on his list don't want us to talk about Jeffrey. And that is not why. We're not allowed to talk about Jeffrey because he was Israeli and Israel controls the places where we talk about Jeffrey. You know, like Jeffrey spent decades going out of his way since 2003 and before courting tech entrepreneurs, Larry Page and Sergey Brin. It's not Bill Gates that's keeping us from talking about Epstein. It's Israel. Oh yeah, and while we're talking to Republicans about Israel, you know who Israel has bought? Our president is the highest receiver of Israeli money in all of congressional history, shortly followed by Hillary Clinton, whose husband had certain ties to a certain 
financier. Probably just a coincidence that the last time Israel made a major offensive move against Palestine was during Bill Clinton's presidency. And do I need to get started on the son who has had three different laptops at least taken by Lord knows who? Where for some reason he was choosing to take compromising videos, almost like someone had something on him that could tell him to take more compromising videos, like, you know, wearing stars of David and stuff like that, because uh, that's just a normal thing you do prolifically on laptops that then get stolen. And like, don't look into how many of the wives of the Biden children were Jewish, because it's a weirdly high number. Um, not the least of which being this young lady that doesn't look perturbed by this photo at all. Why do you suppose a woman that looks like this marries a 53-year-old crackhead? And not just like any marries a 53-year-old crackhead, but marries him and gets matching tattoos with him less than a week after meeting him. This is from the Times of Israel. They're totally not like bragging about how this cute young Jewish woman got Hunter Biden married within six days of meeting her. Not a handler at all. By the way, that's their son that they had immediately upon meeting. In case you've been living under a rock, the wars between Israel and Palestine have been going on for decades. And for some reason, we just happened to get an enormous escalation of Israeli violence against Palestinians based upon obviously, like obviously Hamas started it all, like nothing happened this year before Hamas attacked. But now we've got this huge Israeli invasion killing thousands of women and children in broad daylight in front of everybody literally bulldozing over civilians inside of hospital camps. Like, disgusting. And it just so happens to fall during the presidency of one of the most heavily Israeli-targeted figures in U.S. government history. Like, from blackmail angles, from political lobbying angles. Like, I had a whole chart about it in my Obsidian file, and for some reason it reverted to an old version and doesn't have any of the new versions saved. And I don't know what to make of that, but my notes on Joe Biden's ties to Israel were wiped out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Republicans, if you didn't click away from this to try to stay in your little denial pit and you made it this far, I commend you. Um, if you're supporting Israel, they are responsible for the largest human trafficking ring in modern history. That is them. And they use that ring to influence American and other foreign politicians like in Britain and other places. And we are now seeing a big move, a gambit on that influence operation. Think about it. What are you supporting? And what's more anti-Semitic? Calling out a genocide or supporting a ring of pedophilia and the massacre of thousands of innocent women and children in the name of a Jewish homeland. That's not a good look for Jewish people. And a lot of Jewish people want nothing to do with that look because that's not, no. So yeah, just because your party believes a thing doesn't mean you have to believe the thing too. Like the amount of cognitive dissonance on the internet right now is mind blowing. Does TikTok support freedom of speech? Yes, it's one of the commitments I've given this committee. So, what's that deeper secret we've been leading to? And I think you can start to see it. It's one of the biggest mind games that's ever been played.
It's in our churches that tell us to worship Israel. Israel. It tell us it tells us that God has a two-tier justice system in the world. He says that the Jews are better than everybody else. And the Christians in this nation buy that lie like nobody. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say anything of the sort. And what we are dealing with is a hijacking of the entire concept of faith and a blind stupidity that exists within people that are so buried in obedience in the pew that they don't bother to read scripture. And so we have the buyout and sellout. Buyout, we have the buyout of the church by influential people that at the end of the day, you will discover are Babylonian or satanic to control the message, to try to convince people that we're in the era of the end of times, which has all been engineered so that we can start to believe in this war. And it's all been engineered so that they can do a mass genocide, which was initiated by a shot and a virus that if you follow the money again, you're going to follow it to the same sources. It's all going to come to the same place. An international cabal of people that use their network and control that have been housed in a land, a nation called Israel, which is their epicenter of control, one of their primary ones, that then use the moniker of being Jewish when in fact they're not. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about all Jews, to be very clear about what I'm saying. Use this moniker of being Jewish and the American Christian falls on its knees and starts slabbering all over the ground like somehow these people are superior to them in the kingdom of God and says somehow that the only way there that we must repent and they must not. And no one's even bothered to look at what these people really are. So when you start to see 231 names trigger a Department of Defense, which is, by the way, military's got 1.4 million standing. Why would 231 names trigger anything? Because that deeper truth that we're talking about is getting into a rabbit hole that they don't want anybody to follow. And it ties in with an international network of blackmail and control. It ties in with motive of wanting to exterminate the human race and to get rid of God's children on this earth. It gets into motive, which is how they controlled everybody, which gets you into Epstein, which Epstein was a controlled and a global national operation, global and international operation for governments to control governments through the ways of people's worst and most insidious desires, using children and their desires to have sex with children, to give them the physical pleasure and then capture the blackmail to keep them in control. And in the process, that leads to the more horrific things than we can ever imagine. The trafficking, the global trafficking of children that they are making money off of and power control off of this beyond any measure. And money is just the beginning of it. Because there is no money that is greater than the power people gain over somebody else's lives. You can't, there's not enough money for that. And so when you have somebody in the Vatican saying that the global, the global trafficking of children is 7 million to 8 million children a year, that should cause people to say what? Instead, people brush it aside because there's, there's such cognitive dissonance. It's like, well, yeah, but that can't be. Or you say Israel and they'll say, I'll give Israel a pass because they're God's children while they openly admit that they've been killing women and children in Gaza with our helicopters developed by our industries, the Apache helicopter, they're asking for more. We're saying we're going to give them. And then you go, wait a minute, how many people are really on the ground? Who's on the ground in Gaza? And you're like, wait a minute, there's 80% women and children on Gaza. Why is it? And you're openly admitting you're killing them. 
And then the whole comes together when they say, yes, but we're sending humanitarian aid. And here it comes. We're going to make sure that all the children get injected with the new shot. I hope you're seeing the picture. Because all roads lead to human genocide. And all roads lead to the agents which take you from our military industrial complex, our Pentagon, our Department of Defense, our intelligence agencies that have all been one way or another been absconded and hijacked by a foreign control run by what we would call the Khazarian Mafia or the Red Jews that date back to where is one of their major hubs and where they came from, and here it is. It's Ukraine. You got to follow the money. You got to follow the story of history that they don't want you to see. And when we do all of this and we clearly see what's happening and who are they trying to use for fodder, they're trying to eliminate in the process of war and in fear of the injection. They need to eliminate their biggest threat. Who's their biggest threat? The people of the United States, a country that when it was started, our founding fathers called it New Jerusalem. See the picture now? This was the promised land. We were the promised land. And we've always been that. And now what has happened is a land that was, yes, it's biblical, it's important, but was purchased, purchased using Rothschild's money taken from the people. And now you have to ask yourself the darker, the hardest question of all, who are the Palestinians? And the one I'm going to throw out today, and I just need everybody to just take it to prayer. I'm not making any statement of yes or no, but are they the lost tribe? And so when we see them destroying systematically an entire group of people in the name of God, which is a complete lie, because God does not do that, you have to ask yourself a bigger question. Are they the true inheritors of that particular land? And are they being eliminated so that there is no trace of their birthright? So, it is so important to understand these pictures from a biblical and current lens. And we have to get very clear on what we're dealing with right now. And we are dealing with human genocide on a scale we have never imagined. So, I'm not telling you I have all the answers. I'm asking you to ask the questions. Be open-minded to what you see. And be able to look at these things from different perspectives. And maybe they're not the lost tribe. But it's still a question of who are the Palestinians because they are not who they were being told to be. And the thing I always look at, when you look at our founding fathers in this nation who established this nation, I hope you realize that in the British Empire, they were considered terrorists. And we were considered terrorists who fought against the British. You need to remember that if you were caught carrying a copy of the Declaration of Independence in any of the British colonies at the time, it was a penalty of death. All these things are, are, are falling back on us now because this government is doing the same thing to the rest of the world. We have, a, we have an organized cabal that's running global governments. And within this is the awakening of the children of God. And that would be you and that would be I. And we are standing up now and we are, we are speaking out truths and we are using the greatest weapon of war that anybody could ever be issued. We're using prayer, focused prayer coming from hearts of forgiveness and love 
not vengeance. Because if you're praying in with vengeance, you're just part of them. But if you're praying in with the heart of forgiveness and love and praying in that these people will truly be brought to the feet of Jesus and that they will be held accountable in the courts of heaven, that's what we're talking about. And as always, it is God's hand that leads us in all things. So to go back to where we started, which was these comments about Brad Miller, by Brad Miller stating that we want, this is all about a peaceful, nonviolent action. That we want restoration, not separation. I think that's a good term. Because we're not trying to separate from a government that isn't ours. This government has been controlled by foreign agents. It is part of a global cabal of taking over what were what was a government of the people. We're not trying to separate. What we're trying to do is restore by rooting out the evil and the rot. And that means you have to follow the money. You have to follow this narrative. You have to follow the stories. You have to follow the links of child sex trafficking. You have to follow of what they're doing in a master plan and why. And understanding that they see the rest of us as parasites. And that everybody that's part of that, and that goes from the border agent that's obeying rules and not doing the rights of the Constitution, to the people that are in the highest of places that know what every move on the board is. They're all part of the same movement to destroy humanity. The Constitution ultimately is where this all falls to because the Constitution roots itself in the Declaration of Independence, which roots itself in scriptures and in the Word of God. All things were given to us by our Creator, which was not debated at the time who the Creator was. Let's be clear. It was God. Our founding fathers were deep believers in the in Scripture. They were deep believers in Jesus. But what they weren't believers in was weaponizing and using the church as a modicum and vehicle for war. They were not believers in that. And so much of the arguments against the church were the fact that they know they were tired of seeing the church being used as a vehicle to bring man to war to kill himself. And so that has been exploited to try to, to, pers- to create a perspective of our founding fathers as if they were atheists or at the very least, they were not part of the actual belief system in the Christian faith. Our founding fathers were using places to assemble, like the Masonic Lodge, well before they understood the depths of what that corruption was, because that was a weaponized system launched from Europe to destroy us from within. And so they've painted and repainted histories to try to show our, to disparage our founding fathers and suggest that this nation was not built on Christian ethics. In fact, they love to say Judeo-Christian. No, we're built on the foundations of Christian ethics because this is kingdom. So when we get through all of this and we start to understand what we are trying to preserve, we're, we're fighting for kingdom in this fight. And God is not telling you to go and fight a war in, of flesh on flesh. He's telling us that this war in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 is a war of principalities. It's a war that we put on our armor, but we don't stand still. This is calling a warrior class of people to step into the gap and stand up and say amen and now go forward and wage these wars in intercessory prayer, wage these wars in prayer warfare, wage these wars. And will there be a war in the flesh? Maybe. Maybe. But it isn't something we pray for wisely. As I always say, if you are walking as I believe you should, is you should at least carry a sword. And that would be Peter, 
but we're reminded even in that in that moment in Peter and Jesus in the garden that while Peter stays the attack and cuts off the ear and spares a life against Jesus, the attack against Jesus. It's Jesus that shows the power of what we're really speaking of, which is he heals the ear and leaves this man to come to Christ in the process. That's the real power. So if you wield a sword of steel, you have to also be prepared to pray for healing if you have to use it. That's our balance of the fight that we fight, so different than our enemy who feeds on pain and destruction, who enjoys injecting people, and it goes back again to the accusers of the adulteress and the men carrying stones. They were going to find pleasure in the slow and de deadly destruction of a woman who they, were, they knew represented something they were guilty of. Just like every people that are rejecting this letter know what they're guilty of. And so they use their forces to try to beat people down. But those men walked away because they finally realized that they were held accountable for themselves in their hearts before God. Our biggest win in this war is to make these people realize you are going to be held accountable in the courts of heaven and before God. And to do that, they have to see and witness the power of what God is. And so we get back then to the things that are so important. The miracles and the wonders of the living God. This is a time where we pray into those authorities, we pray into use those authorities, and we discipline ourselves every day in praying and using them. Healing the sick and the broken, casting out demons, raising the dead, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, using prayer warfare, and leaning into the principles of the greater works. There's no question we have those authorities. That's not even debatable. And there's no question that the church of this time that we need to revive is rooted in the book of Acts. And it's there we start to understand the power of the prophetic, the power of the apostolic, the power of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, translating the most heavenly language into something that we can actually apply because it's so different than what we are part of. It's there that we start to see the full empowerment of de deliverance and healing, raising the dead. And with that, we start to see the greater works of even being able to do people in mass deliverance and mass healings. When we start to use those tools of war and believe them, this enemy has nothing. And even yet, even worse for the enemy is we can start to pull away so many of those who have mis been misguided and truly have been led down a dark path. And that's how you just start to destroy the enemy's ranks. And you start to dismantle their systems and organizations that they have built based on obedient slaves, which are no longer their slaves, but are set three, free through the love in Christ. This war is winnable. It's very winnable. And I believe it's going to be won by a handful. Symbolically, that handful right now, and I say this symbolically, is symbolized by the 231 that put on the names on that that are now causing 11,000 to step up with them and sign a signature that will hopefully lead to hundreds of thousands as we go. But as we're reminded in Gideon, God doesn't need the 30 plus thousand. He only needed the 300 that were focused and had their heart on him. And with that, we can change the world. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, I come to you today humbled before you as we start to see things more clearly, more profoundly. We start to understand this 
greater network in the world than what we're truly dealing with. The most insidious crime, which would ultimately we call upon the courts of heaven to intercede, to be able to use and using the word of God, to using the stories of biblical kind, to using the, the cover of religion as a way to use people's trust and use their free will against them to see to their own demise. Father, that's a, that's a crime beyond crimes, especially when it goes after the little ones, and then it takes control of the parents that are complicit in equal crime and the criminality against their own children. There is a prayer we extend this morning, Father, that's just very significant, and it is forgive them for they know not what they have done. So many of these parents, as angry as we can get to them, have been so immersed in the lies of a time, so lost without a relationship to you, that they really have no idea what they are doing. And they're committing the heinous crimes to give damage to their own little ones, their own children, the gift that they were given to Stuart. Father, this morning we our prayer extends to them, that we may have the opportunity to reach them, that the things that we do in our daily lives will allow us to speak the words of Holy Spirit in profound ways to open their hearts and make them realize what they have done to separate them and lift them up from the guilt that they will have to carry and bear and will help them set free from the bondage that they're currently in. A parent who has caused their child to be manipulated, to be injected, to have been surgically altered, all of that is a burden on the heart that locks them into a crime that they feel they can never escape and they become defenders of the evil. Let us get to the root and let us pray into the hearts of those that are following that path to understand that you are forgiven through Christ. And as we pray into that and free them, our hearts pour into them the love of the forgiveness which you've asked us to do. And in so doing, guide them so that they can become proper parents and stewards for their children and ultimately right the wrongs that were done. This also goes to those in our, in our military industrial complex, the Pentagon, the 17 intelligence agencies, the other agencies surrounding the Department of Defense, DHS, FBI, HHS, the people in our government, that are now guilty and carrying the guilt on their hearts that feel that they can't do the right thing, that feel bound and boxed in by a system that says, do as we do or you'll be fired, and feeling that they have to leave and leave their families in a lurch without having money or finances because they don't have the right optic on where their life should be. So, Father, wherever they are, we pray into their hearts, and we pray love into their hearts, we pray life into their hearts, and we pray forgiveness. Not, not less of accountability, but forgiveness for their confusion. And forgiveness for they walk, for we are extending a love with our brother. And how many times should we, should we continue to forgive our brother? Seven times 70, as Christ said. So we forgive them. And now we place them in our heart and our love upon them, that they may be shaken free from the bowels of this hell in which they live. And may they now turn to Jesus and be led by Jesus. And may they be lifted up. And may they be starting to see that there is a way forward here that is true and righteous. There's something more, no, there's nothing more powerful than stepping forth into the world to giving testimony to the crimes that you have been part of, to the, to the errors that you have made, to the sins that you have done, and then to seek forgiveness and finding out how powerful that is. It is power through vulnerability, vulnerability before the throne, and vulnerability through testimony. Father, we just need a prayer. Our prayer today is just to have them hear this, that as a people of this nation, if they will be honest and true, 
to step forward and speak to what they've been part of, they are set free. And this nation will receive them with an open and forgiving heart because the people here are that good. But it is important that this message somehow gets to their hearts. And so our prayer today is to pray into that and to ask you for the help using our authorities in Jesus that you may pour that into their heart, that there is a pathway to forgiveness. And it begins with testimony. And it begins a testimony to a nation and to the world. So raise them up, Father, wherever they are. We are looking for those that will now step away from this evil, release themselves from the bonds and the chains. If they're in uniform in the military, they're asking themselves what to do. Do the right thing. Speak the truth in, your, in where you are. Talk to one another. Hold those accountable that did these crimes. And part of that criminality issue is for the, the people that did these crimes to speak truth, to say, yes, I did this. It was wrong. Be accountable for your actions. We pray accountability into our military. We pray accountability into our leadership. We pray accountability into these darkened hearts. It says, you shall be forgiven. You will be held accountable, but you shall be forgiven. And in so doing, you shall be forgiven in the eyes of heaven. So, Father, our role here now more than ever is the prayers in which we issue. The mightiness of this fight is spiritual, and we know this. And we know that those who seek to take us down these dark paths are literally designing an engineering as time that we will turn first against each other rather than turn to the perpetrators of these crimes. The true criminality does not rest within the hearts of the flesh. It rests within the influences around the flesh that have sealed the heart from you. So, Father, our prayer then is to set these people free, to see truly the light, and to know that there's voices out here that listen and will speak. The truth is hard to take, but the freedom it's achieved is immeasurable. Bless this, Father, in these prayers. Guide us in this fight. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It is so important that we continue to pray into having these people's hearts freed. It is so important that we understand the greatest weapon of this war is forgiveness and loving thy neighbor. And that is hard. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. But when we step into the proper realm of kingdom, it actually gets pretty easy because we understand that the justice that God will deliver is a justice we don't often understand, that his desire is not to punish the flesh. But there is such a thing as pure evil and that we have a difficult time separating evil from our lives of the flesh. And so it's therefore that we pray. We pray to break these strongholds. We pray to raise them up. We pray that they will come to Christ. We pray that they will see the ills of their ways. We pray that they will repent. We pray that they will honestly come forward. And the more that we pray into those and break down the strongholds and the control them, the more that opportunity opens for them to do that. And as the ranks of the enemy weaken, our strength in, in the Lord grows. And this fight ultimately is one that we're fighting from the same place every time. We're fighting from victory. From victory. So important. All right, patriots. See you this evening for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. 
God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant 
that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.